wasn't worship. Incredible. We're coming off the back of what I think has been an awesome collection of talks. The talks that we went through with First Thessalonians and Mum kicked it off, uh, finished it off last week with chapter five, and she encouraged us all to ch- and challenged us all to take some of these actions out of First Thessalonians five, the proof, I guess, that we are living for the future, the future hope of the coming of Jesus. And one of those was to honor our leaders. I'm not going to stand here right now and go, everyone honor me. <laughs> I'm, I'm wanting to encourage you. Pastor Bron and Aaron are on holiday right now. They're on a little bit of a break. I don't get why their break and holiday includes Sunday, but you, we, we can pray for them. But what I do want to do is encourage, if you've got them on Facebook, if you've got their number, whatever it is, could you encourage them this week? Um, if you encounter them next Sunday, get alongside them and just say, hey, so appreciate your leadership and who you are in our church. I just think it would be an awesome thing to do. Are you with me on that? The other, I don't need the encouragement. Do you know why? I've been hiding something back here since the other week, and it's a trophy. That's right. First place go-karting trophy. If you're new to church, you're going to want to stay here because your pastor is the fastest on the track. We uh, went as a staff, um, if you remember a few weeks back for an illustration, I dropped my old go-karting first place trophy for um, entertainment's sake and I did not expect it to break, but it shattered into a hundred different pieces and so I asked you all to pray for me that I would win this trophy as we went go-karting and I just want to tell you that God is with you. And me. Thank you. You guys are legends. Oh, come on. That was a bit of a, yeah, hey. Goodness me. It's okay to have fun in church, isn't it? Welcome to church. (laughs) If you are new here, we're so excited that you're with us. And um, as a church, we're about to kick off this new collection of talks that we've called Plus One. And you see, you are our special guests because at Eastlake, we believe that people are our heart. Our heart is for all people. See, we believe that Jesus' heart was for all people as well. And we make no apologies as Eastlake Church for being specifically focused on those who are far from God. We believe that we have a message of hope and that our light is best shined in the night. And we desire to bring the broken home at all costs. So whether you love Jesus this morning, whether you're just like checking out church and you're not really sure what it's all about, I want to tell you that you are welcome here. There is an open, unconditional, always standing invitation, a plus one for you and for your friends and family or whoever you would encounter this week. People are our heart. Amen? Amen. Amen. Everyone say plus one. Have you ever invited someone to church? It can be a scary thing. We say do it all the time, but we might not always talk about the dark side of inviting people to church. And I I told you guys last Christmas about, I asked you to pray for me as I went over to what I described as my angry neighbor to invite them to Christmas. But I'm not sure if I told you the follow-up. 
I went over there one day, it was about this time last year, and I had a six-pack of beer with me, a card, and some chocolates. I wanted to, you know, be presentable. And I, as I came to the front door, it all started to go wrong, like every story that does with me. Um, you see, the lady who lived in the house could see me coming to the door, and she yelled out to her family, Oh, beep! The guy from over the road's coming! <laughs> And I, I didn't know what to think, so I kept on going. And I came to the door, and she opened it up, and she was like, hi. And I was like, hi, you know, sorry, was it a bad time? No, no, no. Um, we just thought you looked like the presentable family, and we were the writing family over here, and it was an awesome time. But as I, I went into the house, um, out came a husband, fairly big guy, tattoos everywhere, shirt, nowhere to be found. Um, and I'm standing in the living room, and then they called, oi, oi. And there was about four or five other adults in the house for, for whatever reason. And they all circled around me in the living room. And I said, hi, I'm Josh from over the road. Uh, here's some beers. <laughs> I just wanted to invite you to Christmas. Why? Oh, well, I'm a pastor at the church. And then I sat there for about five minutes while they debated between themselves what a pastor was. Um, I just sort of, okay, well, I'll just... Uh, put it on the bench here, and I remember the moment that I told them I was the pastor, the dad was looking at me, looking at the beer, looking at me, <laughs> looking at the beer, thinking, this doesn't add up. Um, and it was a hilarious time. I walked out of, well, I ran out of there, back over to the road, um, and it was hard, and it was awkward, and they haven't come to church yet, but you know what? Before that time, I would walk out my front driveway and wouldn't really acknowledge that they were there. Now, every morning, I get to come out and give them the old Aussie thumbs up and say hello. And, and we had breakthrough the other week. As I was reversing my car, the guy knocked on my window. He'd made his way over to my side to tell me that my rear brake light was broken. <laughs> but it's awkward, right? Inviting people to church. Sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes it's perfect. But I'll be honest with you. Sometimes it doesn't go as you planned. Maybe for you, you're scared that someone's going to go, you, church? Really? I've seen you. <laughs> or maybe for you, you're just scared of people. I don't know what that's like. But my wife, who's run out of the auditorium to look after our daughter, does know. Maybe she knew that was coming. <laughs> the fact is, as Christians, you know, sometimes we've actually had a bad rap at times. And it's not all untrue. Maybe you would say it's a miracle that you're here this morning in a church, considering what Christians have said to you. I think that in our current day, our current culture, this world is changing so rapidly that the methods that we use of evangelism, which just means sharing about Jesus, are falling out of date almost day by day. If we keep using the methods that worked decades ago to talk to people about Jesus, then I think we're actually going to miss out on a whole bunch of people. I think we will see some fruit. But I am positive that we will miss out on almost all the people under the age of 35. Now, I am not saying at all that the good news, the gospel, our Lord Jesus is becoming powerless. Not at all. It's how we communicate that message and live that message out in our weeks. If we don't change in this post-Christian, post-modern world, then I believe that our methods of telling people about evangelism have to change as well to keep the mission alive. And we have a mission at East Lake here, don't we? 
We say that we are Jesus followers. We are hope traffickers. And we are your local church. But we are under no illusion that none of that, none of this is possible without our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen? So isn't this a perfect time to pray? Let's do it. Dear Lord, I'm thankful that you died on a cross, defeating death and rising again three days later so that we could have victory here and now. Lord, I believe that your name is above all names. Your glory undeniable, your presence cannot be kept secret. So God, would you use us as vessels for your gospel and your good news? Would you give us the wisdom that we need? Holy Spirit, would you speak to us as we speak to those who may not yet know you? Guide us this morning as we open up your word. In your mighty name, we pray, amen. I read an article this week from a Christian leader called Kerry Newhoff. And he wrote about the three areas of how we tell people about Jesus that are changing in today's culture. So I thought I'd share one or two or three of them with you. And first is this, embracing the question is as important as giving an answer. We've got to be honest in 2020. I've got questions. I've got questions about God. I've got questions about this world, and some of those questions remain unanswered. Some of those questions I don't like the answer to, but the fact is I've got questions, and sometimes as Jesus followers, as Christians, or maybe if you're checking out church, you can relate to this, we so quickly put the question aside to bring an answer and to give the answer. Think about when someone maybe comes up to you and says something like, um, what, hap- what happens when I die? Will I be reincarnated? And sometimes our career, as our Christian, our response can be, no, you won't be reincarnated. As a Jesus Christ follower, you will be resurrected, okay? So you don't get reincarnated. And they go, okay. What about if we responded something along the lines of, good question, you know, I've had questions myself about this, and, and actually the Christian life focuses on resurrection. Do you know what I mean by resurrection? Which response do you think you'd prefer to hear? Embracing the question is as important as giving an answer. Number two on Kerry Newhoff's list is being open is more effective than being certain before you shoot me down. You can be certain. You must, in fact, be certain about your faith. Our faith is a sure and firm foundation, right? But sometimes when all we do is project certainty, we think that we're convincing when the opposite is true. Sometimes in our certainty, we actually give off this anti-intellectual vibe that we're closed off and even sometimes would be called arrogant. Whereas if we are open to people's views and them as a person, they will be open to us. Even underneath, if underneath it all, you are certain because you probably are. Being open is more effective than being certain. Number three for ways that sharing about Jesus is changing is the timeline is longer. 
Have you ever noticed how when people are pressured to come along to church that they generally don't last that long? And those that come along on their own timeline gen, gen, tend to flourish for years and years to come. Jesus himself said that I will draw all people to myself. But he didn't say he'd do it in three minutes or a 90-minute Sunday service or an eight-week program, did he? I mean, I even think of the disciples spent three years walking alongside Jesus and it appears that they only worked out who he was at the end. So why do we think the church would be any different? The timeline is longer. We've got to give people time and space, Holy Spirit space to work in their lives. Speaking of the disciples, though, I want to focus in on this story from John chapter 21. It's an account of Jesus encountering his disciples for one of the last times on earth after he had died and rose again. Can we look at that? It's in John 21 verse 1. It says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. He happened, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we will go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And I picture this moment, you know, all-knowing Jesus. He knew they had no fish. Fully human, fully God, Jesus, just rubbing it in on the disciples a little bit. They'd had a hard night, caught nothing. But you realize that this is at the end of three years of following Jesus, these disciples. Seeing him perform miracle after miracle, the dead raised to life feeding 5,000 with two fish and five loaves, only to see their Savior crucified on a cross, their hope crucified on the cross, and they felt defeated at least for three days until he rose again and encountered them. But they can't have been okay instantly, right? It must have been such a confusing and raw moment. What we read about is that Jesus, in the first time that he encountered them, they were probably in some sort of a worship-style service. Probably absolutely nothing like this, but kind of like this. And as Jesus came into them, you'll read about Thomas, the doubting disciple, as we call him, that placed his fingers in the nail holes in Jesus' hands. And they all believed in that moment, but then Jesus, he left them again. And here we pick up the story in John 21, and they're on the beach going, what do we do now? I picture Thomas going, I doubt he'll be back. <laughs> Nathaniel probably grunts to himself, and then classic Peter steps forward and goes, why don't we go fishing? And they go, we'll go with you. And maybe it was because they were hungry. Maybe it's because it was all that they knew. But Peter chose not to stay idle. 
waiting for Jesus to show up again. But instead, he got moving. Not just to wait in worship in the last place that they encountered him. Jesus, come back. Jesus, come back. Jesus, come back. But instead, to put his hand to something. To get moving and and get started with at least something what he knew that was fishing. And guess who shows up? Jesus. I want to remind you this morning that Sunday is only one day. Sunday is only one day. Sometimes we need reminding, myself included. Maybe you're new to church and all this stuff. I've got to tell you, being a Jesus follower is not just about rocking up on Sunday. It's a Monday through Tuesday, through Wednesday, through Thursday, through Friday, through Saturday and Sunday kind of thing. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Sunday is only one day. Yes, Jesus shows up on Sunday. Yes, his presence is here. But he wants to show up in your week as well. I think about Jesus' ministry and you could almost say most of his ministry was midweek ministry, right? Walking the streets, eating with tax collectors and prostitutes and talking with all people because why people were his heart. And the only thing that really separated himself from the religious leaders who were hypocrites in the day was that he didn't stay in the synagogue preaching and then live a different life. He lived his life as Jesus, our Savior, every single day. And we're meant to as well. A plus one invitation is no use if it's only activated within these four walls on a Sunday, is it? Sunday is only one day. Turn to the person next to you and say, Sunday is only one day. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter said. So often in church, we say things like, I'm, I'm searching for my purpose. I'm waiting for my ministry. I'm waiting for God to, to tell me what to do next. And I love that. I love the passion and the desire for God to speak to you. But do you know what I think? I think purpose comes to you when you begin to get practical. Peter and his mates, they're out there fishing and Jesus comes and sees them. But they caught nothing. All night, the scripture says, they were toiling, fishing, and they came up with nothing. Researchers say that that Sea of Galilee, that was the best time for them to be fishing when Jesus came in the morning. You might not know this, but these guys were professional fishermen. This was their, their job. This was their whole income before Jesus had rocked up. So what does Jesus do? The carpenter? Jesus comes in verse 6 and he said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find someone. Some. I read that today and I thought, you know what that sounds like? The person that comes to you and says, have you tried turning the computer on and off again? It's like, yes, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Yet, the disciples, they chose to obey the voice that they heard from the shore, the voice of Jesus. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped out, he, he took off his outer garment for he had taken it off and jumped 
into the water. And he swam, and what we read from the story is that he, they came and they sat with Jesus, and, and he spoke to them, and they had this fire, and they ate the fish. Here is the second reminder that I want to draw out of this scripture, a question, if you like. Can you go again? Are you on the right side? Can you go again? Can you cast that net out one more time? And I love this story from John 21 because it speaks to me about so many things. It speaks to me about how Jesus cares about the minute and seemingly insignificant things. It speaks to me about how we can toil all through the night and see no results but joy in the form of our Savior Jesus comes in the morning. It speaks to me about how there is nothing lost by following Jesus' direction and the guidance of Holy Spirit. But maybe you're sitting there this morning and you're going, all it speaks to me about is fish. I don't get it. You might not know this, but Jesus, he performed a similar miracle three years earlier when he invited Peter, the same disciple, to come and follow him. And in that moment, as he performed this miracle of so many fish and Peter joined him, he said to Peter, you've been fishing, but I'm going to make you a fisher of men, a fisher of people, a fisher of those who are far from me and don't yet know who I am. And so when the disciples drew in that net that morning, they understood it to mean so much more than just the fish that were caught. Jesus was showing them that there's still more to do, still more fish to fish, still more people to save. And it was only by His direction and under His power that it could be possible. And even after they'd fished all night and turned up nothing, even when they felt like they had been defeated, Jesus calls them to go again in the hope of another catch, in a hope of one more. And so my question to you is, can you go again? Are you on the right side? Can you cast that net out? Are you letting the voice of God guide you? His word and His truth lead you. When I think about this going again, I think about my mom who would pray for me every night during my teenage years only to see me run further and further away from God. It would have felt like a, a darkness, a rejection, a defeat. And yet I'm so thankful for her prayers because I know, and I don't know the exact moment, but I know so many moments along the way that the prayers of my mother, probably my nana, and so many more too. And they cast their nets out and it was drawing me back into real life and real relationship with Jesus. So maybe you feel like you've been set back in life. And I'm talking about reaching people this morning and sharing about your faith and winning those who are far from God, but it applies to so much more. Maybe you're struggling in your own life today and it feels like a setback. I wonder if it's a setup for something powerful, for breakthrough, for a miracle like these disciples. Maybe Jesus is standing on the shore saying, go again. 
cast that net out one more time. And Scripture oddly tells us that they caught 153 fish. I don't know why. I read into it a fair bit. Most people have no clue why 153 fish. And I'm not saying that if you've been through defeat, that tomorrow morning, if you would just listen, just pray and have enough faith that everything's going to change for you tomorrow. And, and those of you who are fishermen among us, that you're going to go out and catch 153 fish. The point wasn't the number of fish. The point was there was still more fish in the sea. You see, the disciples, they didn't stop after this miraculous catch. Just after this moment, they would see 3,000 people in one day come to know Jesus. But they didn't stop there. They would go on to toil weeks and days for one, a little bit longer for two and another day, a little bit more just for another one. Then some of these disciples would be crucified just like Jesus on a cross because they wouldn't deny His power and what He had done in the hope that one more fish could be drawn in. Jesus always restores you for more, not for nothing. And as long as there are hurting people who need healing, as long as there is hope to be trafficked, as long as there is love to share with others, then we have purpose and there's still more fish in the sea. Jesus is calling us to go again, to put it out on the right side. Like I read of the times of Jesus' life on earth where He says we're going to the other side. And that's what I picture us this morning. Hey, we, we might have done our bit here, but we're going to the other side. There's always another side because there's still more fish in the sea. Can you go again? Maybe you feel like you're not even there yet. Maybe you feel like you aren't enough or, or your story isn't good enough or maybe your story is a little bit bad in your eyes and you think, oh, I, I couldn't reach someone for Jesus until I got this sorted out. I don't know if you know this, but Peter's story up until this moment was that he had denied Jesus three times to a little girl. He said, who? Jesus? Don't know him. I can't imagine the shame and regret and the pain that he would have been feeling in that moment, especially when Jesus rose again and he goes, oh, it was real. He was right. I was wrong. But you know, Jesus, he didn't go, Peter, get away from me. I don't love you anymore. In fact, he came to Peter on that shore right after this catch. And for the three times that Peter had denied knowing Jesus, he asked him, Peter, do you love me? And Peter responded, yes, I love you. I love you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I love you. You know, Jesus didn't go, thank you. All I needed was to know that you love me. No, for every time that Peter said, I love you, Jesus gave him a command. He said, tend to my flock. Jesus loved analogies. Fish for people, sheep meant people too. Look after the flock, look after the sheep, tend to my sheep. The disciples, they had a revelation in John 21 
of Jesus' power. And that revelation was always meant to bring them into relationship on the shore. And in relationship with Jesus, he brought restoration into Peter's life. But the restoration came so that he could redirect Peter towards others, towards people. And he's redirecting us this morning too. Maybe you're, you need the revelation of Jesus' almighty power. And I believe that our God is a miracle-working God. But it's meant to bring you into relationship. And maybe I can challenge you this morning to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus, to open up your word and discover who He is. But remember that as you do that, He's going to bring His healing restoration into your life where you feel broken. He can bring healing. But all of this, it's meant to redirect us towards others, towards winning those who are far from Him. Jesus gave us this command in the last encounter that he had with his disciples. We read of it in Matthew 28. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. My challenge this Sunday, and we love to bring a challenge every Sunday because we don't want to just be hearers of the word, we want to be doers of it. It's simple. And it's the same challenge this week, next week, the week after, and every week up until Christmas. Be bold and courageous. Go over to your angry neighbor and invite them to church. You might just change their life. And remember that as you go, as you are bold and in your weeks, you use every opportunity to say, yeah, I go to church. Or someone asks you why you do this or why you do that. Maybe the response is just come and see where I've found real life. Remember that our God is with you always to the very end of the age. And you are not defined by the rejections or the awkwardness or the successes either. You are already a child of God made holy by your faith in Him. It's because of His love that we can't help but share it with others. So as you stand to your feet and we go into this time of worship, like every Sunday, I want to invite anyone who maybe wants to invite Jesus for the first time into their life, and we've been talking about how to share Jesus. And you know what? You can do it tomorrow. The message, the good news, the gospel that we talk about, it's this story of how Jesus came into this earth and God sent His Son, Jesus, to die on a cross so that we could have eternal life as we believe in Him. And it's by His grace, and maybe you've been sold this story that it's all about doing good, then God will love you. The opposite is true. God loves you. That's why He sent His Son, to save you. That if you would place your faith in Him, you would receive the gift of eternal life. And like inviting people and sharing about our faith, as you place your faith and trust and understanding of His love towards you, your life will begin to transform from the inside out. 
And so if you want to respond to that this morning, what we ask is, as everyone just bows their head quickly, just going to ask you to put your hand up so I can see you. And we're going to pray a prayer together. If you're watching online, I encourage you just to put your hand on your heart. You know, this is a moment, an event, but it begins a journey of following Jesus. And we want to do it together with you as a family. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand real high for me so I can see it right there? Awesome up the front and up the back there. Is there anyone else? Awesome, awesome, awesome. In the middle, I've got you. Once you put your hand up, you can put it down. Can we pray together, church? The Bible says that we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that He is Lord. We will be saved. And so we're going to do that together right now. Dear Jesus, come into my heart. I believe in you. Forgive me, God for where I have strayed from your path, from where I have sinned. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Heal me, make me whole, and send me, Lord, to those who are far from you. In Jesus' mighty name.